Welcome to the Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek podcast series. President-elect Joe Biden has pledged to expand Buy America policies, but what balance will Biden strike between domestic manufacturing and U.S. trade policy? In this segment, former Senator Mark Baggage moderates a discussion between Lori Haru and former Representative Ed Royce to discuss how trade policy under Biden will compare to President Trump and what Congress's role will be in influencing the Biden administration's approach to trading with nations such as China. Welcome to the Brownstein Podcast Series. I'm Mark Baggage, and today I'm joined by my colleagues, Ed Royce, former chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, and Lori Haru, former chief of staff to then House Ways Means Chair Kevin Brady, and a former political appointee to the International Trade Administration. Today, we're going to be diving into trade policy under the Biden administration. Before we jump into the policies themselves and where the Biden administration may come down on these issues, you know, it might make sense for us all to talk about the people who will be advising the president, a president like Biden, on trade, Catherine Tay and U.S. Trade Representative Tony Blinken, Secretary of State, and maybe even Janet Yellen, uh, Treasury. But let's kind of dive in. We have some others that are going to be joining the administration over time. We don't know. You know, maybe the Department of Commerce will get a secretary sooner or later. But there's a lot of names still to be added. But we have a couple uh, right off the bat. And maybe I'll start, uh, Lori, with you and, and the, you know, the new members of this administration that are coming forward, uh, the U.S. Trade Representative, for example. Give me your thoughts there. Um, well, I think a lot of people in D.C. were very excited when Catherine Tai, who is the current uh, Chief Trade Counsel for the Ways and Means Democrats, was announced as President-elect Biden's nominee for USTR. There is no question that she brings um, an extraordinarily strong background in trade. She's an expert on China enforcement, which she worked with when or she worked on when she was at USTR. Um, she was instrumental uh, in getting the Democrats to coalesce around some ideas that were very controversial when President Trump uh, revised and updated the uh, USMCA. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people feel that she can have a steep learning curve when she goes into her new role in terms of Congress, in terms of the players around the world. I think the only question is maybe... You know, um, at a staff level, you deal differently with members and that it'll be interesting to see in her new role, which is very important as a cabinet level position, how she will actually work with Republicans on trade issues going forward. Let me ask you, Lori, just to expand on before I go to the chairman on a couple other of the names. Uh, but, you know, in her case, she seems because of her role has seems to have reasonable respect among members of her knowledge and information my guess is that she'll probably bring along some other folks in the next layers below her that will have kind of that deep bench experience. Is that kind of your sense of what she might do here? You know, sometimes people worry, are they just going to be a bunch of political hacks at the next layer? But it sounds like her style or what I know about her is get good quality people around her and create a good department or activity. Is that your sense or maybe I'm misreading that? No, I think that would be that would be logical. Um, it might be a little bit different this time simply because she does have her own deep background experience. So she may be more open to maybe bringing in some more trade people that have maybe business experience. Oh. And, um, you know, it just remains to be seen um, what holes they'll need to fill. 
Well, that's, I mean, that's interesting, again, as the Biden administration continues to pull out more people. Chairman Royce, uh, I think you've worked with uh, Blinken, uh, Tony Blinken, and maybe give some thoughts of how you see him fitting in and kind of his new role. That would be pretty significant to trade. Well, I think Tony Blinken uh, had the role as staff director uh, in the Senate Foreign Relations Committee before he went. uh, uh, He spent considerable time in the Obama administration as deputy uh, secretary of state. So part of this will come through his lens of how we strengthen alliances. And so, for example, he has said that one of his top priorities is ending the trade wars with Europe. So from that, we get a sense, I think, that he's going to try to engage Europe more. He's probably going to use the World Trade Organization, the WTO, more in order to pursue enforcement. He has said on the enforcement front that, uh, and I think this is his focus primarily at Beijing, he will enforce uh, strongly and consistently American trade laws when it comes to uh, cheating Uh, where the object of the cheating is to cheat Americans out of their jobs. So I think we see from that there's going to be a continued focus on trying to force Beijing to comply with the international rules of the road, and at the same time, uh, an attempt to reach out to allies such as Europe, Latin America, and bring them back on board. Not, Not in the ensuing year, he has said, but beyond that, uh, they'll be focused again on uh, engagement on on trade initiatives, I believe. I know uh, Senator Mike Crapo is going to have kind of a new role in finance, and finance plays a role in trade. And do you think, and maybe uh, start with you, Chairman Royce, and that is with uh, Tony Blinken, do you think because of his past history in the Senate and the Obama administration, that his ability to kind of work with the new leadership of the Senate finance will I don't want to say nothing comes easy in Congress, but it will be uh, a little bit easier for him because he has an understanding. Or do you think there's a a learning curve there in those kind of relationships? You were chairman before, so you understand that kind of new people that come in. What's your sense of that? My sense is that uh, the Senate will probably be the easier institution uh, to get an accord on trade. One of the first things they're going to have to look at to come next summer is the um, TPA, the ability of the president to have the authority, the trade promotion authority is going to expire. And I think they'll go forward with an initiative to expand that. I think where it gets complicated in the House is that there's going to be a very real focus, uh, especially with USTR, on what can be done to incorporate labor standards Uh, because um, uh, that's what we saw in the USMCA, right? And at the same time, and maybe even more importantly, and and John Kerry may play a role here, is the desire to address, especially in China, where most of the pollution now uh, is generated, the desire to do something about climate by tying it into a methodology uh, as we move forward with the Trade Promotion Authority that will include addressing pollution. And I think what they'll look at are some of the free market uh, resolutions that Germany came up with to clean up the Rhine River by 
basically taxing the amount of pollution or effluence that went into the ride and creating a mechanism. But what they're going to try to do is apply that worldwide and especially to China. Why? Because everywhere else, everywhere else, industrial economies are moving towards greater and greater uh, advances against pollution. But in China, a lot of manufacturing is going there because it's a race to the bottom. And I, I think that this is what you'll see um, as a sort of compromise that will be pushed by the Biden administration. I think it's going to be a heavier lift in the House. But if we get it done, I think it will bring maybe a solution to two problems simultaneously. One, pollution, and the other, the fact that China has advantaged itself by not playing by those rules or by labor rules and having people work 12 hours a day, six days a week. These things will become an issue. So, Maury, let me ask you, let me take off on what the chairman said. There's lots of issues, China being a huge issue when it comes to trade and the EU and that kind of what's going to happen there. Um, the Trans-Pacific Partnership is mentioned, uh, maybe Paris Climate Agreement, maybe not. Uh, but the multilateral approach, the bilateral approach, all of these things are kind of in the mix now. And I guess my question is, when you look at those items and just what was just talked about from the chairman on China, what do you think we're going to see different under this new administration versus the Trump administration uh, that's finishing with some of these? Are we going to see some rollbacks? Are we can see modifications are we going to see radical changes? What, what, what's your sense? Because I think in the public's mind, they see black and white. And I'm not sure that's the case with the Biden administration. But maybe your thoughts on that. Well, number one, um, Biden has said that uh, trade is not the immediate priority going into this um, administration. You know, he needs to get the economy going. But um, having said that, I actually don't think you will see much difference between this administration and the Trump administration because Joe Biden will be walking a really fine line. You know, Trump has really um, sort of put our largest trading partners in play, you know, in places where three quarters of all our exports go to, you know, Japan, the EU, um, UK, China. And if he tries to roll back anything, he runs the risk of looking less ambitious than Trump was. You know, and he doesn't want to get in a position where people view him as, but then on the other side, he doesn't want to be viewed in the position of trying to out Trump Trump on trade, you know, and um, a lot of what, uh, I mean, let's just be frank here. Um, a lot of what Donald Trump did on trade has been a lot of the things that Democrats have been wanting to do for a couple generations now. And so, um, I think they're looking at this as an opportunity. How can they fine tune it? You, you won't see a change in policy, really, but you will see a change in tone and how they um, interact with our allies and with our competitors. You know, it's interesting, the comment you made, and you're right. It's kind of an interesting dynamic that the Trump, two things, I think, and maybe either one of you can comment on this. And that is two things. You have the China issue, which if you look at back in data eight, nine years ago, 20%, 30%, not even 30%, about 20% of the people had a negative view of China today in the United States. It's almost 75%. So a lot of that has been generated by kind of the, the, the trade talk or non-trade talk, depending on how you look at it, that Trump had with China. So it's created this, like you said, a careful balance. What do you do? How do you do this? 
Second is this whole thing about how does he not do trade as a priority when he's trying to rebuild the economy, but our economy, it touches so much of trade, right? We, you know, the farmers feed America, but they feed the world, you know, so they can't not think of trade in this mix, right? And uh, we have lots of other, and I can tell you from my state in Alaska, you know, we, number one trading partner is China uh, and it's with fish products and so forth. So how do we see that balancing even more? And I'll maybe turn to the chairman first and back to you, Lori, and kind of how does he manage domestic job creation and not keep trade kind of in that mix as a higher priority, or maybe he can do both. Chairman Royce? Well, what what uh, President-elect Biden has said is that what he will do is uh, not focus on new trade agreements until he makes the investment in infrastructure. Uh, I, th- I think what he's looking at is a major infrastructure investment, maybe a trillion dollars in ports, rail, uh, heavy infrastructure uh, in order to make us more competitive. And then what he's basically saying is that he will then transition to trade agreements. But I think what we'll see because of the bipartisan concerns, especially in the House on Beijing, is a more, more of a focus on, um, on dumb parts or on trade with China with things that don't have to do you know, with high-end technology, because the concern here is that that technology is dual use. So the types of products you're talking about that, uh, you know, it's kind of a win-win to have trade in, in, in sectors where it's not threatening with China, that will continue. And I think they will look increasingly, as I said before, Tony Blinken's going to be looking towards Europe. He's going to be looking to the UK for, you know, uh, trade agreements, but that won't be until a year from now when first we've got the big infrastructure projects to try to get people back to work. And I think that's the way they roll it out. But I know Lori's closer to the specifics of a lot of this. Uh, Lori, what do you think? Well, um, I do think, you know, that President-elect Biden always fashions himself as Joe from Scranton. And um The United States needs a lot more skilled workers, but they also, you know, we have an entire group of employees that don't have the skills that they need to um, to um, thrive in this world, in the global economy. So I think once again, it's another fine line for him to walk to walk. You know, you will have business saying I need to continue my supply chain um, in countries with cheap labor and reimport them back and import things into the United States. But, you know, the labor unions will be saying, you said you were going to look out for the American worker first. And therefore, you can't just be focused on high tech. And, um, you know, you need to take care of national security issues. But, you know, how are you going to bring those, no matter how unreasonable it may sound, it's going to be, how are you going to bring those supply chains back to the U.S.? I have this visual, Lori, of, you know, that famous black and white photo of the guy, you know, hundred stories up or whatever, walking that fine line with the stick and walking from one building to the next. I feel <laughs> yes. like that's what you have described for the uh, uh, Biden uh, administration, incoming administration. But on top of that, as the chairman just described, it's like build your home, strengthen it, and then figure out how to go out the door. But there's a careful balance of how you 
got to still be out the door a little bit while you're building your home. Right. Well, and I also think that's the um, the upside of um, nominating someone like Catherine Tai is she's not going to have to have her hand held. She behind the scenes will be working on things in a very workmanlike manner to um, to take care of, of business and um, obviously working with you know anyone need, that needs to with uh, President Biden. So um, I think there there's another reason why that they she was nominated. So I have two last questions. This next one is kind of you, you triggered it a little bit, Lori, when you said Trump basically did on trade what a lot of Democrats have wanted, right, for years. And Republicans kind of moved away from free trade, which was, you know, I, it was a very confusing time. And so the question is, are we going to see Republicans in a much larger uh, position be stronger on the free trade kind of all trade should happen, you know, within boundaries, but more of what they were, you know, 10 years ago. Uh, what, what do you think? And also Chairman Royce, what do you think? Well, I, I have um, through the Trump years, I've definitely watching um, Republicans on the Hill. I have definitely thought to myself that the horse is out of the barn right now and we're not going back to the way it was when it comes to Republicans. And Republicans will always be, you know, strong supporters of trade. They view trade as a bipartisan issue. Um, but of course, where they kind of part company is when then you start going into extreme positions on climate, labor, things like that, and which they don't really, they've never really felt that should be a part of trade agreements, even though, you know, they've been creeping in. But I really do think that um, you will not see much change among Republicans um, from where they are right now on trade. Yet it remains to be seen in the coming Congress exactly how they work with the Biden administration, because um, these are not the free trade uh, Republicans that we used to know in the past. Chairman Royce. Yeah, I think um, Republicans have generally been supportive of, of free trade with, uh, with Africa, with Europe, uh, with Latin America, but I think what we're beginning to hear is, you know, free trade with free peoples. And they're specifically talking now about their concerns about Beijing's rules of the road or, you know, these um, in, the, the inability for workers' rights and so forth. This is now becoming something that Republicans do have a concern about. Uh, but I think in general, they're, they're in favor of trade, understanding that it it moves the economy, it creates jobs here, but we do have to address this problem with Beijing. And that's what has changed. And, and that's going to be an ongoing uh, challenge simply because President Xi has carried this much more aggressively forward in terms of violating the rules uh, than past leaders in China have done. So th that's my assessment of it. I do, I do think the, the ground has changed underneath us. And to build on what uh, the chairman said, you know, not only has the Republican uh, Party changed in their view of trade, but certainly during the Trump years and even the latter years of, um, of the Obama administration, you've seen China change. Um, and I would say it's interesting how many articles I see these days written about um, internal conversations in China in which, you know, economic nationalism is becoming much more prominent and, you know, to the point where, particularly after the pandemic, 
they're um, touting the fact that they think that the communist system is much more superior to the United States and they view us as a declining power. Now, you know, my view is I would much rather rely on the people of our country, you know, the smart, creative people to um, continue to um, maintain our prominent role in the world. But um, you, you are seeing an aggressiveness internally in China among the people, which, which are the very same people we had hoped when we encouraged them to join the WTO would come to appreciate the system and the world, uh, the global rules, their ability to move into the middle class, and um, then in turn want to change their form of government or the way that they do business around the world. And um, middle class has definitely grown in China, but um, it's a little disturbing to see what's going on right now. It's the direction we don't want them to go. Uh, I have one last question for both of you, but I, 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 I'm going to coin a phrase that I think, Chairman Royce, you just said, free trade, free people. We like, we like the combination. And, uh, you know, that's an interesting phrase. So let me ask you this. So we, you know, we do these series on a variety of subject matter today with trade and, and we do it because we want to make sure uh, people are aware of kind of the ideas and thoughts and what's going on in the, on these issues. And we have a lot of our clients that listen uh, from Brownstein and want to uh, gather information as you've laid out. What, what would be to either one of you, and we'll start maybe with Chairman Norris, what, what, knowing that trade will be in the mix at some point, at some level and different levels, what's the advice we'd be giving to our clients that not only do trade with China and China trades with them or one or the other or both, what do we want to have them keep in mind as the new administration comes in, into office? Yeah, I think there's always going to be trade with China. And I think it's... Um, it's a win-win as long as that is focused on trade in the areas where uh, the U.S. government and uh, policymakers uh, aren't going to be concerned with dual use. In other words, where that uh, is focused on items which might be uh, used for military purposes, where the artificial intelligence uh, you know, where the uh, supercomputers and so forth, where these sectors in the economy are so obviously focused uh, towards uh, a more hostile, shall we say, purpose. Uh, I would say avoiding direct engagement in that kind of trade, because that is what policymakers are going to be concerned about. And that's what's going to be crimped, probably based on the work of the China Task Force and other uh, initiatives you see, as well as comments, you know, made by both the political parties. So that would be the advice is focus your your efforts um, away from dual use where military applications apply. Lori, your thoughts? Um, well, I definitely agree with the chairman on that. And uh, but I would also say that, you know, this is often fought out in Congress in terms of the, the policy debates um, in the future. And I would tell our clients and I do tell our clients that you need to have a bipartisan push to remind um, it'll be the Biden administration, remind members of Congress of the jobs in their district that are, are dependent on the global economy and exports and imports, because I don't think people really appreciate the pressure in particular that Republicans are under from outside groups and other influences to change the way that they have traditionally um, thought on trade. And, um, you know, for example, even just on like Buy America, 
um, in the transportation sector. You know, I'm concerned that Buy America is going to become um, not just a protectionist thing, but it'll also be a litmus test for patriotism. And um, you see a lot more Republicans open to Buy America. And um, that's why business needs to get involved in a very uh, concerted effort to try and bolster what has happened in the past in terms of keeping the global market open and free. But I don't think that any of us can appreciate what's going to happen going down the road. It's, it's just one of those things that, you know, traditionally business, um, we would call them job creators and Republicans viewpoints aligned in terms of opening markets. However, that alignment is no longer um, there. And I think business needs to wake up to that fact because it's not going back to the way it was. And their efforts that they've made in the past will be trivial compared to what they're going to have to do to shore up the global marketplace as they would like to, to work in. So we have to always remember trade is global, even though we're United States, it's domestic value. And we have to make sure our clients understand the you know, what that means in the new administration, but also, as Chairman Royce said, making sure that uh, they focus their energies in the areas that are possible, not maybe the old ways of doing it or being in conflict with uh, other industries that China is also putting out there. So, again, to my colleagues here, to Lori, are you and Chairman Royce, thank you very much. As always, this is great information for our clients and Again, thank you very much for taking the time uh, to have a conversation about trade. And maybe six months from now, we'll have another conversation to see what became reality. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek podcast series. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Visit BHFS.com for more information.